Hey everybody, I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh my God, how could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. Last night, we finally had a major occurrence in the world of sports again, and that was the NFL Draft. And of course... It felt probably much bigger than it ever has before. It felt like every sports fan was tuned in because of the dire circumstances that we are in. But we had 32 we had 32 guys taken, and obviously this is always a significant event. So today we're going to be running down our first round reaction. Still two days left, and actually neither of our teams um, ended up picking yesterday. But we're going to run through the top 32. We're going to give our initial reactions and thoughts. And we're going to start from the top with Joe Burrow, who was the presumptive number one pick for months after his historic collegiate season, goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. Logan, what were your thoughts on that one? I mean, I think it's going to be a tough first year for Joe Burrow. Uh, Cincinnati is not an ideal place for any quarterback or any player to go. The reason it's going to be so tough is the AFC North is, in my opinion, the toughest division defensively. The Ravens and Steelers both had top five defenses last year. The Browns have some very talented players on defense. I mean, you're going to be matched up against Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. It's going to be a tough first year for Joe Burrow, but I don't think since he's that bad for him. I mean, he's a hometown kid. He's from Ohio. He, you know, briefly as they drowned us in that information uh, from ESPN and Bleacher Report last night, he was at Ohio State for a year. I don't know if you had heard that, Carson. I don't know if they told you that. No, I haven't. Um, (laughs) But – I think it's going to be good enough for him. I mean, he's got talent on that offensive line. You've got Jonah Williams coming back this season. Um, he never, he didn't play last year, and I liked him. He was my favorite tackle last year. Um, Billy Price is a good center on that O-line. I think it's going to be a, a transitional year, obviously, for Joe Burrow because he's always had a decent amount of talent around him. But um, uh, it's an easy pick for the Bengals to make, and uh, I want to see Joe Burrow tear it up. Well, and I do think something that – has to be accounted for is if A.J. Green is healthy again, and of course they place the franchise tag on him, this is a guy who was a seven-time Pro Bowler in his first seven seasons and then ended up missing all of 2019 due to injury, and he's always always considered an injury-prone guy who has the potential to miss some games, but if he's back and he resembles himself, that is so valuable for a young guy to have a reliable number one target like that. We see what the Cardinals are doing, getting – Kyler Murray, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who you can just throw it to when you need somebody to go make a play. And I do think A.J. Green is that kind of guy when he's healthy. So I really don't think it's that terrible of a situation. It's an organization that has actually had a good amount of success in our lifetimes. Obviously, the six straight playoff appearances with Andy Dalton, and yes, they never won a game, but they were always in the conversation. Everyone saw that one coming, and basically everyone saw the number two pick coming, too, as Chase Young out of Ohio State went to the Washington Redskins. What were your thoughts on that one? I mean, he's the best player in the draft, I think, far and away. And it's easy to criticize. You can, I think that almost for a guy like Chase Young, you would have to come up with reasons why he wouldn't succeed in the NFL. I mean, I think it's a, excuse me, I think it's a no-brainer pick. I think that Chase Young is, he's in the same mold as the Bosa brothers, as Miles Garrett. He's just a monster defensively. And, It's obviously not going to help the Redskins out immediately as much as a quarterback would have done. But if the Redskins believe in Haskins, and Haskins can turn out to be even maybe a Winston or Big Ben light on par with maybe a Vandy Testaverde, this pick could mean significantly more because you've secured that position down. But as for right now, very easy pick for the Redskins to make. Yeah, very easy pick. And there's a reason everyone saw it coming. Really, there are three tips, three positions that you can – Uh, take with the number one pick it's quarterback which is the majority of the time it's an offensive tackle probably a left tackle and it's a dominant pass rusher and when you have a supernova prospect like Chase Young I think in a lot of drafts he goes number one overall based Mm -hmm. on fact but when you consider the needs of the Bengals and the fact that Burrow had the greatest collegiate season ever that's really the only reason I think that Chase Young fell to number two if you listen to any prospect evaluator who is relevant and worth their salt they believe that he is really a generational talent. And it makes sense. He has every physical tool you could want. He's smart. He's really a phenomenal prospect. 
At number I, and I mean, yeah, go ahead. I, the last thing, if Chase Young doesn't hit, then all the experts are wrong. Yeah, everyone. I mean, he is, I would say, even more of a sure thing than a guy like Miles Garrett who goes number one overall. He is, everyone is invested in his success. So it was pretty chalk to start with in this draft. And at number three, some people thought the Lions might trade away this pick, but if they didn't, it was obvious that their glaring need was corner with the loss of Darius Slay, and they took Jeffrey Okuda, also out of Ohio State. Logan, what were your thoughts on that? Let me tell you why this is a bad pick for the Detroit Lions. I don't know if there was anybody else on board who uh, – actually, I, I won't say that. There was somebody on board, and I think they should have taken Andrew Thomas here. I don't like this pick because they do need offensive line help for Matthew Stafford, and Matthew Stafford is still a talented quarterback. I will stand by that. That being said – Carson, you lose a guy like Darius Slate, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, and so you just replace him? Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I mean, Jeff Okuda is, is had some of the best tape I've ever seen out of any cornerback. I mean, Jeff Okuda was stupid good at Ohio State. He literally did not commit a single penalty this season. I just think that if you're just going for a – it's like trading away a wide receiver for one first-round pick and then drafting another wide receiver. What sense does that make? It doesn't. You're just repl- you're plugging in a guy, and Okuda's not going to step in and be as good as Darius Slay. It's just not going to help them this season, and I, that's why I don't like the pick. Well, I think that your analogy there with the receiver thing is a little overly simplistic because Darius Slay was not going to stay in Detroit. And it's – I mean, we saw a similar thing with the Niners and DeForest Buckner. He was a guy that they couldn't pay, so they trade that pick – then with that pick, I mean, they trade down one, and then they take Javon Kinlaw, who is his replacement. But the thing is, these guys on their rookie deals are always more valuable because they are so inexpensive, and you have control over them. And then once you start having to pay them in the tens of millions of dollars, then there's a little bit of cause for concern. So guys are always trying to rotate in younger players who they can keep on that cheap value. Well, I do it's not even that. that. I, I also just have a fundamental disagreement with drafting I don't believe in drafting sideline players in the first round I don't believe in taking a wide out or a corner in the a corner maybe but probably not even with the top three pick I believe in building in the trenches first as a franchise and I just don't think a corner is going to have the significant impact that a tackle would have so let me say this because I think that that's been a criticism a lot of people have had it's that corner can be kind of a crapshoot some people will say And when you take a guy high in the first round, you're taking a big risk. But I went through, I went through the draft history. And so the last three corners to go in the top five are Denzel Ward last year, who I think had a really strong rookie season. And I think most people would bet on to be a pro bowler down the line. Jalen Ramsey, who, you know, was an all pro level guy and Patrick Peterson, who was an all pro level guy. So if you are getting a player that impacts the game on that level, I think that that's worth the top five pick. The question is, and I know people love Okuda. I don't know if people love him as much as they loved a guy like Jalen Ramsey, though, who it really felt like was mm-hmm. as hyped up as any corner prospect of my lifetime has been. And I think Okuda's good, but I also think that they should probably have understood the market and that no one until seven was going to take a corner. Yeah. So they could have probably gotten some added value out of that. Let's move on to number four, where the New York Giants took Andrew Thomas, filling their need at offensive tackle. What were your thoughts with this one? Now, I could come on here on the nerd session. I could tell you that Andrew Thomas is my favorite offensive line prospect. Look, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't know how to evaluate offensive tackle talent. I'm just – I don't know. And and that's – I think it's a fundamental issue with with general managers in general. You can look in previous drafts and you will see a run on tackles and – I mean, this is a very preliminary take. One of the tackles, or multiple of the tackles drafted in this first round will bust. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. It happens every time. But that being said, I do like Andrew Thomas. I mean, he had solid tape at Georgia for SEC, and New York needs offensive line help, especially for Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, who you're building around. I think it's a no-brainer pick, and I know that we had heard uh, you know, we had heard some uh, rumblings that Makai Becton would jump up, that Jedrick Wills would jump up, that I'd heard maybe Tristan Wirfs would go um, to the four spot. But I think Andrew Thomas was, a month ago, he was the presumed number four pick, and this one didn't surprise me a whole lot. 
Yeah, I think that the tackle conversation, first of all, I totally agree. I have no idea how to evaluate tackles. I listened to the experts on that, and the experts were conflicted on this. I mean, I believe on the broadcast, Mel Kuyper Jr. said that he had Andrew Thomas as his number four tackle, but I think Mm -hmm. there were plenty of people who had him number one. And for a long time, it seemed like he was the number one tackle on the majority of people's boards. So at the very least, they fill a position of need. Um, obviously there's the, there's the potential that this busts. And if that ends up happening, that's a shame for giants fans. But I think that they are at least trying to solidify, uh, a, a line in front of Daniel Jones, who is going to desperately need it. If he's going to be able to succeed in what has been really a losing environment in New York for a while now. Mm -hmm. So now let's get into the quarterback section of the draft. And every single year this happens, Logan quarterback shoot up late. It can be a guy with some pretty concerning film like Justin Herbert, who makes a lot of mistakes at times. It can be a guy like Tua Tungavailoa, who has a serious hip injury. Teams need quarterbacks, and quarterbacks are what sell to fan bases. Quarterbacks are what turn franchises around. So at number five, Tua Tungavailoa went to the Dolphins. What were your thoughts? Well, isn't it funny, Carson, and you mentioned it, the two biggest reasons why teams would stay away from quarterbacks, and it doesn't matter, they go five and six. I mean – Justin Herbert, to me, is not a top 10 pick from what I saw from him in college this season. Um, and Tua is just very concerning. I mean, you know, we had Tank for Tua, and everybody had, had naturally presumed Tua was going one to the Dolphins. Well, Tua still goes to the Dolphins, but here at five, I'm concerned. I mean, and I think everybody should be. With a guy who has as long a list of injuries as Tua Tagovailoa, it's, it's dangerous. I think that in my honest opinion, I wouldn't have gone Tua here if I was Miami. I would have stuck it out one more season with Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. And, Carson, here's why you should be concerned about Tua. Okay. If he can't stay healthy at Alabama, why would you expect him to stay healthy behind the worst offensive line in football? Yeah, um, it's a fair question. I do think that, you know, some things are kind of freak injuries. I mean, I don't know how replicable his hip injury is. And I know that you know, when the medical experts evaluated Tua, the Dolphins medical experts, they seem to think that he checked out. And I don't think anyone is going to question his football prowess. He's an incredibly accurate thrower of the football. He's mobile. He's a playmaker. He's smart. He reads the field well. I mean, he really checks off pretty much all the boxes. And there's a reason that he was the presumptive number one pick before this season when he only continued to dominate. I mean, what was he like 33 touchdowns to three picks in 10 games? Mm -hmm. The dude's college resume is spotless so I actually do like I do like the Dolphins taking Tua a lot I feel bad for Josh Rosen who I thought was a Hall of Fame talent coming out of UCLA who I thought was Mm -hmm. polished and accurate and had as good of a pocket presence as anyone and of course he is now just his nightmare of a career continues Herbert to the Chargers at number six I think is the one that's really controversial and of course A lot of people are concerned with his decision-making at times, with his inaccuracy. I know all my friends who went to University of Oregon think he sucks, so that's always cause for concern. But what were your other thoughts about that pick? I mean, I think it's a solid pick, and the only reason I say that is it gives the Chargers a chance to have a franchise quarterback. I don't think Herbert is going to ever dominate. I'm going to give you my, my comps for Herbert. I think he has a floor of Josh Freeman, which is, you know, pretty low. Uh But Freeman did have some – I'm not going to disrespect. Josh Freeman was good for a minute there. That's a starter. And a ceiling of a Jay Cutler light. I don't think that – I think it's a decent pick in the fact that, I mean, Herbert can sit there and sit behind Tyrod Taylor until he's – until Tyrod Taylor is ultimately replaced again by the younger backup. Yeah. Um, Let me tell you something. Chargers fans are going to get very antsy when they get captain check down Tyrod Taylor yes. going for 120 yards a game and incapable of looking 10 yards downfield, I think that I was really high on Herbert, I guess, when he first started three years ago because he just threw such – I mean, there was just such zip on his ball. It reminded me of Josh Allen that he just threw such a hard ball and, you know, physically he's 6'6", mm-hmm. he's really mobile. So there is undoubtedly talent there. But there are flaws, and sometimes those flaws end up being more significant than, you know, the jaw-dropping aspects of the talent. I, uh, I agree. All right, so moving on to number seven, the Panthers took Derek Brown, DT out of Auburn. What were your thoughts? 
I'm pretty confident in Derek Brown succeeding at this next level. And it scares me that I am because I was also very confident in Quinn and Williams just because I do think it is hard to evaluate, you know, those big D linemen guys. It's, it's a very – it's a will thing almost, in my opinion, I think, with the D line. It's how hard are they going to work. But in college, I thought Derek Brown was easily the best interior defensive lineman in any team that needed him. I thought Derek Brown had top three potential. That's how – how confident I was in this guy at the college level. I mean, it's a good pick for Carolina. I had a – and I told you this last night. I thought that Jordan Love had an outside chance of going here, but uh, Derek Brown's a good pick. I mean, it's a position of need for the Panthers, and from what I saw from him in college, I think that he's going to be a beast at the next level. Yeah, and I think that that's a pretty universal sentiment. People are really high on Derek Brown. You talked about the issue of Will. I would not be concerned about that with him because he has – a great motor. He has the physical tools and I think that he's going to succeed. And I would, I would bet on it for sure. Another guy mm-hmm. who was really highly touted ended up falling to eight. Isaiah Simmons goes to the Cardinals. He's multi-positional defensively. What were your thoughts? No bias for a team that's out near us in Arizona. This is an A plus pick. I mean, you get a guy that was talked about as maybe a top three a top three player in the entire draft and you can get him at eight without moving whatsoever. It's also a position of need for you. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that the Cardinals did not go wide out here. Um, I am a little yeah. disappointed though, that with the draft now, again, if Arizona did not like the talent at the tackle position, if they felt that Jedrick Wills or Becton Worfs, whoever Austin Jackson, if they felt that these guys weren't good enough uh, for them, then I understand going with Simmons. The offensive line needs to be addressed. Kyler Murray is going to get killed again this year if the O-line is not addressed in the second round. But just from a talent perspective, line you need an inside linebacker, and Isaiah Simmons can play inside linebacker. He can also play any other position on defense. So I think that Isaiah Simmons is incredible. I mean, you look at a guy who's 6'4", 238 with 4'39 speed. It's really pretty, pretty astounding. He has linebacker size, but I don't think he really moves like a linebacker. And, like, when I watch him play, I think that's a safety. But how many 6'4", 238 safeties <laughs> do you see? So, I don't know where he ends up playing. I would be very interested in seeing what they, what they do with him at the next level. But I agree. It's best player available by far, I would say, at this spot. And, yes, there's a lot of of- offensive linemen left in the next tier, like Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, who I'm sure that they considered and took a look at. Like you, I'm glad that they didn't splurge on a receiver and I think we saw that the receivers fell for a bit because it seemed like everyone was buying into the idea of oh this draft is so deep we don't need to spend top 10 pick yeah. capital on a guy and, and I've never understood that because even back to the the, the last wideout draft that I remember being extremely highly touted had to be the uh, the Odell Beckham draft you know and and they hyped it up so much and teams would just pass on wideouts because Oh, it's so deep. That doesn't make any sense. I want the best guy on the board. Yeah. And I think that then we saw people started to flip. And, you know, we had whatever, like five receivers taken in the first round still, even though no one went before 12. So Mm -hmm. moving on to the Jags at nine, they took C.J. Henderson at corner, which is a clear position of need as they're now without Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. What do you think about that one? It just makes me shake my head from how far the Jacksonville Jaguars have fallen in the past two years. I mean, if you had told me that the Jags would take a corner in the first round of this draft, I would have told you were crazy. I mean, they had A.J. Bouye and Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. I I just – I think that – I don't think the Jaguars know where they are as a franchise. I think it's going to be another bad year just because – Again, corner does not affect your franchise. It's a position of need, so go out and get it, yes. But corner doesn't have the same impact that I think an offensive lineman does, and it's going to be a rough year in Jacksonville next year. Here's the thing that I will say in support of the Jags. They have demonstrated that they know how to draft defense. If it's a top-five guy like Jalen Ramsey, if it's a guy a tier below that like Yannick Ngakwe, If there's defensive talent in the draft, they normally find it. And I think that that was true later at number 20 when they got Kalevon Chase on, who I think is a really highly regarded prospect for good reason. So I'm not all that opinionated on C.J. Henderson. I could see it going either way. And a lot of that is based on situation. I think that 
not a great team situation, but as far as defensive coaching and player development, I think the mm-hmm. Jacksonville is actually a pretty good spot. So I agree. To round out the top 10, we have Jedrick Wills going to the Browns, joining Jack Conklin uh, as the tackle opposite him. What do you think of this one? I think it's a good pick. And, I mean, anytime you can get a, an Alabama offensive lineman, I think it's a decent pick just because we've seen consistency out of Alabama. The only problem is he's going to the Browns. And it's just a fundamental issue I have with the Browns in developing any players because I've told you this before, Carson. It's impossible that they could have missed with this many picks. It's got to be a player development issue. And we can praise Jackson for it. I am going to crap all over the Browns for it. I'm hoping that despite Cleveland's shortcomings as an organization, that Jedrick Wills can prosper at the offensive tackle position. Here's why I like what they did. I think that too often teams have glaring weaknesses and they let them persist for a season too long. And it may end up happening with the Cardinals this year where their offensive line was terrible two years ago. It was bad this past year and they haven't made that major move to improve it yet. The Browns understood that their offensive line was abysmal last year. A lot of people would attribute um, Baker Mayfield's drop in production to the fact that, you know, he faced, I believe like top five, pressures in the league so they Mm -hmm. go out they get Jack Conklin and opposite him they get Jedrick Wills and you're solidifying that that line so I like the pick because I think that they're really addressing a need of theirs and sometimes teams for whatever reason don't do that they get sucked into the best player available mold and yeah best player available mold is great but especially when you have a young quarterback like Baker Mayfield you need to protect him and build around him and do what's best for him Oh, and it was scary bad last season. Even as a Steelers fan, I felt bad for Baker Mayfield, watching him run around in the backfield like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah, no, it was really terrible. So now the tackles segment of the draft continues as we have Makai Becton going to the Jets at number 11. What were your thoughts? I don't know. Is he too big? Like, that was the only thing (laughs) that I was asking myself during the draft. Is this kid too big? He is so huge it's ridiculous I mean he's definitely a mound to get there's just there's just a lot of questions because you don't get many yeah man there's a lot of tackles that are six seven but 370 pounds yeah I do have to say though if you go back and watch the uh the draft on uh go back to this pick I saw a lot of comments on uh on some video with Makai and they were like we should have drafted his dad his dad is huge his dad is massive. I, there was another O-lineman who had the same thing where his dad was, like, as big as him. It's unbelievable. These guys just run big. What about I like, besides his size, Logan? Hmm? What about besides his size? I mean, they said that – now, again, I don't know how to evaluate offensive linemen as, as yeah. well as the so-called experts, but they said Becton was really fast. I don't know. Like, it's just you when you see a guy that – that you can not compare to anybody. I mean, I've never seen an offensive line as big as Becton. That's the only thing that concerns me is, does he have the technique? Will he succeed in New York? It's definitely a position of, of need for New York, and I'm hoping that he can solidify an offensive line for them. We've seen them invest a lot in the offensive line um, in general in the past few seasons. Uh, they signed Coleccio similarly a few years ago for Sam Darnold, and they've We've seen them sign a lot of guys in free agency. Hopefully this can solidify their line for Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell looked terrible last season trying to dance behind an offensive line that wouldn't allow him to do that. And hopefully a franchise tackle for Sam Darnold. Yeah, it's a position of need. Their offensive line was terrible last year. And the Ringers NFL draft guide has his main selling point as absolute unit size. So I think that we pretty much covered it. The guy is huge. At number 12, a very interesting selection by the Oakland Raiders, taking Henry Ruggs out of Bama, who I think 90% of people considered their second-best receiver prospect. So how did you feel about the Raiders sort of going off of most people's boards at 12? I mean, I really like Jerry Judy. I thought he was probably my number one wideout on board. I thought that was everybody's. I liked Justin Jefferson a lot, too. Um, I did not – I just didn't really get why Ruggs went here at 12. I figured you could have waited around and got him. But 
it's almost poetic. And I tweeted something out. I wish that I had gotten any sort of a response on it because I thought it was a very good tweet. Of course, the Raiders, even after Al Davis, they take the fast guy. Yeah. And it always seems like it's what the Raiders do in the draft. They take, you know, you take Darius Hayward Bay, the last pick that Al Davis ever made. You take the fast guy. And sometimes you need a little more than speed. I think positionally, I don't know if it was a need for them. If it's another target for Derek Carr, yay. I don't know. I just think that there were other prospects on board I would have gone with before Henry Ruggs. Yeah. He's incredibly fast. He has game-breaking speed, and he is a guy who finds the end zone a lot. But I wonder if he's going to be relegated to a bit more of a specialty role early in his career, whereas a guy like Jerry Judy, that's a solid number one. He's a Mm -hmm. near-flawless route runner, and he's just more in the mold of guys that consistently produce 1,000-plus yard seasons we see guys that are super fast rise up on draft boards like a John Ross, and then, you know, they're not able to find that success in the well, NFL because they're just too raw elsewhere. Not even that. I mean, there's, there's, countless, uh, there, there's countless guys that you can point to. I mean, hey, Rashad Perriman. You, you said John Ross. I mean, there's they're fast wideouts every draft. It's, mm. There's so much more into it. And I don't know. Henry Ruggs is a bit of a question mark for me at the wideout position. I think that he's very talented, and he could end up being a very good NFL player. I just would never take him over Jerry Judy, who I think is basically a sure thing to succeed. So I agree. At number 13, we have a trade between the Buccaneers and the 49ers where they swap picks, and the Bucs, I believe, also gave up a fourth rounder, and then they selected Tristan Wirfs to sure up their offensive line out of Iowa. I wonder if there was – someone else pushing to get worse because otherwise it's a little bit confusing to trade up one pick but what do you think about this move uh it's a good pick you get offensive line help for an offensive line that needs it for the greatest quarterback of all time um you are solidifying the offense is what you're doing by taking a guy like Wirfs. and i know a lot of guys had tristan Wirfs actually is their number one tackle on their board so it did surprise me to see him go behind beckton wills um, and Andrew Thomas, but they get him at 12. I think it's good value for the pick, and hopefully he can step in day one and solidify that O-line for Tom Brady. I think it's a good pick. you got to protect your 43-year-old quarterback, and that's how you do it. You go up and you get a guy that, yeah, some people thought was the best talent in the draft at the position. That's yeah. weird saying out loud. I know. He's an old guy. So then at number 14 – the Niners take Javon Kinlaw, a defensive tackle, of course, replacing DeForest Buckner, who is who they traded for the 13th pick. So a lot of people were a little bit confused by that, which I really didn't understand the confusion because they weren't going to be able to pay DeForest Buckner. And it's what we talked about earlier. It's cycling out expensive guys for younger guys. I know my brother, who is a Niners fan, was very upset that they did not get Jerry Judy and spent the entire night ruminating about it and talked to me about it probably 30 to 40 times. But what did you think about them getting Kinlaw? I have a PSA for every general manager in the NFL. Take notes from John Lynch. The 49ers went from being one of the worst teams in the NFL to one of the best. And what did they do? They consistently drafted D-linemen in the first round of the NFL draft. I don't know if there's a correlation between that because there's obviously a bunch of other cogs moving, but they have consistently invested in the defensive line and they have gotten rewarded from it. You need pass rushers in the modern NFL. You need to have the dominant defensive line to succeed in the NFL. And the Niners have it. They go back to Kinlaw here. I think Kinlaw is an awesome pick. I don't care if you can get another wideout. You can sign another wideout. Kinlaw is an awesome prospect. I loved him. I think that it's a good – it's a good pick, and positionally, you need to invest in the defensive line. The 49ers are a smart franchise. Great pick. In their last six drafts, their first pick of the first round has been invested in a defensive lineman five times. You have Kinlaw, you have Bosa, you have Solomon Thomas, you have DeForest Buckner, and you have Eric Armstead. The only exception was Mike McGlinchey. But, except for Solomon Thomas... Those have been successful picks, and I believe in their talent evaluation. 
Kinlaw is not a guy who jumps off the screen to me as a dominant game-breaking force or as an exceptional playmaker, but I do believe that he can have impact from, from his interior line position. And I wouldn't bet against John Lynch because he's done an incredible job. At I agree. Number, at number 15, though, we saw one of the real prominent playmakers of this draft come off the board. And this is where we start to see the movement with the receivers. Jerry Judy goes to the Broncos at 15. John Elway, pretty smart, pretty happy after that one. What were your thoughts? Yeah, that'd be my only criticism is that John Elway is the general manager, and I put zero faith in John Elway ever evaluating talent. Um, Jerry Judy's an awesome wideout, though. Just talent-wise, a great pick for Denver. I mean, you had Corbin Sutton last year who was a beast. Uh, who was the other wideout in, uh, in Denver? Who am, I, who am I spacing on right now, Carson? Well, I don't think that they have a particularly great other receiver. They have, like, Deshaun Hamilton. Oh, I was just thinking of uh, Noah Fant because they drafted him last year. Oh. Um, I mean, you already have a great wide receiver. You already have a great receiving room in general because I, I love Cortland Sutton. I think he's a beast. You bring in Jerry Judy now along with Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton. You have a young receiving core. You have a young quarterback. I really like the pick, and honestly, Denver's going to be a fun team to watch next year. Yeah, I think that alongside Sutton, who really had a breakout season, Judy is going to be incredibly successful. You can start off with him as your number two guy. I think that he can excel in that role just because he's so good at getting open. And he also ran a faster 40 than C.D. Lamb, which I think is worth taking note of. He's just such a complete receiver prospect, and I don't see how he flops. I really don't. I think he's too good. At number 16, there was a far more controversial selection as A.J. Terrell went to the Falcons, uh, obviously, at corner. This was a big position of need, but did you think that it was the right choice? It was, a, it was the first pick that I said that I was like, who? You know, more, of, more than, than some other picks that we had seen. Um, positionally, I don't think there was a better cornerback on board. Um, I, I don't know if, again, it's just building from the outside. I don't really believe in taking – cornerbacks I just feel like and you so you made the case for taking a cornerback high that you believe in taking a Jeff Okuda to me makes more sense than investing mid-round um we'll see I think Terrell was solid in college at Clemson and it is a position of need for Atlanta it has been for a few seasons actually ever since they went to the Super Bowl it's been in a position of need but we'll see if Terrell succeeds in Atlanta they need it yeah I know that they didn't seem to be a huge fan of the pick on the broadcast. I kind of like what Terrell has physically. I think he's quick. I think that he plays a physical brand at corner. And I really don't have a problem with the pick because after the top two of Okuda, clear-cut number one to most, Henderson probably clear-cut number two to most, the next group of corners you could really go any which way. And I think that we saw that because another corner wasn't taken for a while after this pick. So I don't mind it, but I do think that there's a potential that it ends up going wrong. And I do think that, I don't know, they probably could have traded back and still gotten A.J. Terrell. And yes, their pass defense is terrible. They were 25th in defensive DVOA against the pass last year. They have a long way to go. So I like that they're taking steps to correct that. But I think that there is potential that this goes wrong here. At number 17, we had C.D. Lamb go to the Cowboys. Phenomenal receiver prospect out of Oklahoma. A lot of people's number one receiver ends up being the third receiver selected. What were your thoughts on that pick? C.D. Lamb's fast. And here's the reason I don't like the pick. I mean, C.D. Lamb is – no, I like the pick. I, I like the pick. But there are certain aspects of it that I think could go, could go wrong in Dallas. And the reason being, Amari Cooper has some of the worst hands of any number one receiver that we've seen. Great route runner, but – he has his, he's had his problems with drops. C.D. Lamb, very talented receiver, has had his problems with drops. I just think that we could see a lot of plays on the field from Dak Prescott to both of his one and two receivers. We could see a lot of drops out there in Dallas. But talent-wise, I mean, C.D. Lamb is a burner. The, the only knock that you can have on C.D. Lamb, I think, is probably from a competition standpoint. I mean, playing with the defenses in, mm. um, in his conference in football, I think, throws up some red flags maybe for you but I think C.D. Lamb's fast I know C.D. Lamb's fast I know he's talented 
I think he has a very good chance of succeeding in Dallas with Dak Prescott. I think that this is an incredible situation for CD because there's not the expectation of being the number one. And I don't think that CD Lamb is a number one receiver in the NFL. There are some guys like Tyreek Hill who are so exceptional after the catch and just make plays out of nothing. And Tyreek Hill also has breakneck speed at a level that CD doesn't. Only ran a 4.540. I think his game speed is definitely faster than that. And he's so incredibly elusive. He breaks people like it's nobody's business. But I think that that's really where he excels as a guy that you can use in the screen game, as a guy that you can sort of just get the ball to and let him go to work. But I don't think that he's the guy that you want, really, if it's third and 10, you need someone to go make a big catch. I think that Amari Cooper is your guy there. I mean, yes, the hands are always an issue with him, but he's a guy that you can count on to get open, I think, more so than CD. And so I like this pick a lot for the Cowboys. I think it's good value at 17. I think that it always helps to bolster that offense and continue to add weapons. And I think that they are now the, pro, the presumptive favorite to win that division that the Eagles ended up sort of taking from under their noses last year. So then at number 18, we have Austin Jackson go to the Dolphins offensive tackle out of USC. What did you think? Um, an interesting pick I thought here for Miami, and I'm glad they addressed the offensive line here. Um, Austin Jackson wasn't really a guy that I had I invested a whole lot of time in looking into, just mostly because, I mean, you have so many good offensive tackle prospects at the top, which really surprised me how many we saw go in this first round. Um, but what I saw from Austin Jackson looked solid. I mean, all these offensive tackles are big. <laughs> he's, he's a huge guy from USC, and what take they did show, he seems like a solid prospect. Only time will tell if, if this works out for them. I like what Miami did positionally, though, in the draft. I think it was a solid position-wise draft for Miami. You go out and you get potentially your quarterback of the future and your offensive tackle of the future. If everything goes right, Miami had a solid draft. I think that positionally it looks good. I do think that it was a reach, according to most people. And I think that it's probably a little bit weird because now you're outside. There's a clear top four tackles. And obviously there are more than four teams that need tackles. So now if you're Miami, I guess you take your favorite guy. I'm a little concerned that he was described by a friend of mine who works for the USC football team as their second best offensive lineman. That's not particularly compelling to me. So I don't know if he's going to end up being the right talent, but it is the right position, I would say. I agree. At number 19, we had another really pretty surprising pick. Damon Arnett goes to the Raiders at 19 uh, at corner. What were your thoughts? It really surprised me that Arnett went here. Um, but if there's anything that – if there's something that I can say positive about the pick. I mean, four years at Ohio State, and what does Ohio State do best, arguably, other than any other school defense? Mm-hmm. I mean – Ohio State knows how to produce defensive prospects. We saw Jeff Okuda go high, another solid corner. I mean, I think Damon Arnett's going to be good. And, yeah, maybe a little bit of a reach just because most mocks I had. You would probably have naturally assumed that Las Vegas was going to go maybe Grant Delpit or another safety here just because defensive backs in general seem to be necessary in Las Vegas. I think that Arnett's going to be good, though. Again, four years at Ohio State, and I trust Ohio State to put out good cornerback prospects. Yeah, I mean, he's physical. He's good in the run game. And it's the same thing with A.J. Terrell. There's a drop-off at corner after the top two, and so it feels like a bit of a reach. But I guess, you know, go take your guy. And maybe there's a bit of a Mike Mayock Mayock effect where if he put Arnett as – the number three or number four corner, maybe he would be more widely viewed as mm-hmm. that. I don't know. It remains to be seen, but I don't think – I'm not going to be highly critical of the pick. It was controversial. But I also saw, you know, one guy working for CBS Sports that he didn't feel like there was a big difference between Arnett and Okuda, who played opposite him. So I really think it depends on what they're able to get out of his talent in Oakland and maximizing that. At number 20. We had Kalevon Chasen go to the Jags, edge rusher out of LSU. What were your thoughts on that pick? Great pick. I mean, awesome pick for Jacksonville. I had, um, I had Clavon Chasen going way earlier in the draft, potentially. 
I won't say way earlier. I had him top 15. I thought maybe he had a chance to go to Atlanta. I love the pick for Jacksonville just because I had Clavon Chase on higher on my board than a lot of other people. He's a young guy, and he knows how to rush the passer. It's it's a great pick for teams that need a pass rusher, um, especially with all this turmoil that we've seen with Yannick and Gockaway um, and all that drama in Jacksonville. Well, they dealt away uh, Fowler last year to the uh, to the Rams. So I love this pick. I think Chason's going to be a beast. Yeah. I really, really would want Clavon Chase on, on my football team. I think he ended the season with like four sacks in the last four games, so really demonstrated shades of elite pass rushing at the next level. And alongside Josh Allen, who is one of the most promising young defensive players in football, these guys are going to be getting after the quarterback. They're quick, they're electric, they're explosive. And like I said, the Jags know how to draft defense, and they continue to show that taking Chase on at 20. At number 21, we had Jalen Ragor go to the Eagles, obviously filling what was a glaring need for them at receiver where guys like Greg Ward and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside were the stars of their receiving core late last year. What did you think about this pick? Oh, and you hit on it, Carson. Here's, the Eagles are the perfect example of why I say you build from the trenches. Mm-hmm. Their trenches are solid, and they have Carson Wentz, and that's why they're a competitive team every single year. Yeah. And they just need to add in cornerbacks and wideouts. And somehow the Eagles have shown us that cornerbacks and wideouts are pretty hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, most teams, they have one talented guy. But, again, when you have a former collegiate quarterback at Houston in Greg Ward and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Nelson Aguilar, who's been ragged on relentlessly by Philadelphia fans for not being able to catch a football, it's ugly out there on the sidelines for Philadelphia. I don't think you could go wrong with – any wideouts uh, you saw taken here, um, Brandon, are you going, who I argued was not a first-round pick? Uh, I lost that argument um, here. I don't like the pick as much because Justin Jefferson is still on board, and Minnesota got a steal at 22 with Jefferson instead of Rieger. I, I don't like Rieger as much as I like Jefferson, and that's why the pick ultimately I'm not as high on for Philadelphia. They think he's his guy. I think Rieger's talented. I just don't like him as much as Justin Jefferson. I agree with the majority of what you just said. I think that Rhaegar is talented. I mean, he's got game-breaking speed at times. But I would not take him over Justin Jefferson, who, I mean, but at the end of the day, the Eagles had to go get somebody at receiver. I'm glad that they did it. But honestly, I might have rather rated, waited until the second round and see if you can get a guy like Denzel Mims or T. Higgins. What yeah, would you have done with this pick then? Well, that's a good question. I guess that because receiver is the glaring need, I guess they just went out and got their guy. Um, it surprised I, me T. Higgins didn't go first round either. Yeah. It, you know, some guys were bound to slip through the cracks. I think more people would have assumed it to be Ragor. I do think that the Eagles could have continued to add to their secondary. I mean, you know, obviously they got Darius Slay, but that has been an issue for them for the past couple of years. But – What I really like is what Minnesota did at 22, getting Justin Jefferson with the pick that the Buffalo Bills gave them for Stephon Diggs, along with a fourth, a sixth, and a seventh. What were your thoughts on this pick? I thought it was a good pick. Again, it's interesting because you're just replacing a wideout. But, again, smart move for Minnesota because Diggs was, you know, causing a bit of a headache. You also don't have to pay the guy in the future. Um, Jefferson's a great pick. I think – if Jefferson doesn't succeed in the NFL, we're going to ask questions like, was it all Joe Burrow? But from what tape I saw, I don't – brain cannot fathom Justin Jefferson not succeeding in the NFL. And it's a tricky situation because I told myself that about Justin Blackman in the NFL. I have never been more invested in a wide receiver in the NFL than Justin Blackman. I thought he was a for-sure prospect. I am like that with Justin Jefferson. I think this guy is a – I think he's a for-sure beast. Well, that's a ringing endorsement from you, the Justin Blackman comparison. I love Jefferson, though. He is a, I mean, 111 catches this past season. He just makes plays. He makes contested catches. He's quick. He's great out of the slot. Uh, He's shifty. And he is absolutely a guy that I would want on my football team. And from a Buffalo Bills perspective, you have to wonder, I mean, yes, we get Stephon Diggs, who is, first of all, proven which really means something. You know, you're just guessing on all these guys, essentially. Diggs is a consistent 1,000-plus-yard guy. He's locked up for a while. His contract's not all that expensive. 
But when you think about the additional draft capital and you think about a guy like Justin Jefferson, who I really like, sometimes you wonder if that was the right move. But I think that it was great for the Vikings, without a doubt, to replace a guy that wasn't going to be able to stick in that environment, getting additional draft capital, and then also getting a really talented young wideout. Then at number 23, we have Kenneth Murray, inside linebacker out of Oklahoma, going to the Chargers. What do you think about that one? I don't know as much about Kenneth Murray as some of the other guys uh, that were taken during the draft. Um, I mean, out of Oklahoma, he had a lot of tackles in his sophomore and junior seasons, which is kind of how you judge linebackers in college. Did they have a lot of tackles? Well, then we, we might take them. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chargers definitely need to do something defensively, and I'm, I was so happy to see what they did in free agency. Um, yeah. As, as much as my disdain is for um, Chargers, it's, it's what you need to do. Because I think they signed um, – I think their big signing at linebacker was Nick Vigil from Cincinnati. Yep. Yep. And when your big signing is Nick Vigil, you probably need to invest still in the inside linebacker position. So a good pick for them here. I don't know enough about the guy to really give you a good opinion on him prospect-wise. But positionally, this fits for uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to bolster that front seven, also adding Winball Joseph. Now you have existing Pro Bowl-level guys like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, and I think that they're improving their team. And, you know, that's admirable. The thing is, you can't win with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, although the Bills did make the playoffs, but they had really a great team besides Tyrod. And if Justin Herbert gets thrown into that environment, I don't feel great about that. Logan, now we are going into the pick that I can definitively say I know the least about, and I have the least of an opinion on. Cesar Ruiz goes to the Saints at 24, center out of Michigan. What were your thoughts? Uh, Ruiz was projected to go in the first round. Uh, they expected him uh, – the people that I heard from or listened to, it, I expected to hear that he was going to go to Kansas City uh, is where he was projected to go. Mm. Um, Kansas City was expected to take a, a center or a running back. So it surprised me to see this guy that I really heard not a whole lot about out of Michigan go here. Um, a fundamental complaint I will have uh, about the draft. Wow, Carson, that was the most morbid draft I've ever watched. Oh, my God. It was I mean, so sad. Like, I, I really just was – praying that Mike Mayock would show back up and tell me about his big board. And that, that was a fundamental issue I had with the draft last night, Carson. You hit it right on the head. Why didn't they just go traditional draft-style coverage? I don't know. It was really – I mean, they seemed to um, overcome all the technological difficulties they had. Like, it was a very clean broadcast, but they had six guys there on call at all times and they ended up not utilizing any of them that much, and it was way too much Trey Wingo telling us terribly sad things in detail about these tragedies of these people's lives, and, I mean, incredible efforts by them to overcome it, but I feel like they might rather have us talk about them as football players than talk about, you know, their loved ones who have died. Like, it was just really strange, and it was with like what, like 20 of the 32 picks they focused oh, it on? It was really sad. Yeah, and, and they were all in detail. I know. It was, it was very strange. And I know that we're in a weird time and that they were probably searching for ideas. I don't know if telling me this much about these guys' personal lives were, was it. I mean, maybe for the general public to get invested and feel bad for these guys. I'm not trying to feel bad for these guys. I'm trying to feel excited. They're going to play in the NFL. and. Man, I just really wanted to know if Cesar Ruiz can block a D-tackle. Well, I do wonder if they sort of ramped up the human interest angle because they probably have unprecedented draft viewership because I bet it's, you know, every if, – if one person in a family is really into the draft under these circumstances, they're prob- there's probably making an event out of it and everyone in the family is watching, so that's probably a yeah. to engage the non-football fans. But – I thought it was a little over the top. And that combined with Roger Goodell monotonously telling all the fans to cheer louder and to boo him louder and just being the weirdest guy on earth. It was kind and, of weird. And Roger, Roger Goodell also never felt any conviction in anything he says. I mean, 
when the, the defining moment for me was when Calais Campbell came up for the Ravens pick and talked about being the Walter Payton man of the year. Mm. And Roger Goodell says, thank you, Calais. Congratulations on being Walter Payton man of the year for 2019. And it was so robotic. Yeah, he's a robot. He's, he's, <laughs> he's 95% robot, if I had to guess. I cannot believe – don't you have to have some charisma to get into a position – that's what I thought. Power, but where you're also representing the league, and he is just like he's worse than a piece of chalk because he's annoying. I don't even. He's he's the worst. I mean, right. Paul Tagliabue yeah. as last thing. Paul Tagliabue yeah. as what he did as commissioner mishandled a lot on concussions, mm-hmm. but he did have a little charisma in there. Yeah, a bit. It's a trade off you have to consider. At number twenty five, we have. Hometown ASU kid Brandon Ayuk going to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, it was a highly discussed pick in my house last night, again, because my brother is a 49ers fan. So what did you think about the pick, Logan? Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I thought, was a solid pick. I didn't expect him to go in the first round. Um, but what we saw from him at ASU, Ayuk's a beast. Uh, yeah. Him and Jaden Daniels tore it up. I, he was a the go-to guy, and – I really like Ayuk after the catch. I think that after the catch, he's a special player. He's so fast and so shifty that he can make big plays. And that's what San Francisco needs. I mean, we saw the trade for Emmanuel Sanders midseason last year was such a big deal for them. It was a smart move. And wideout was just such a position of need for San Francisco. Now they go out and they get younger. They give another guy for Jimmy Garoppolo to throw to. I think Ayuk is a beast. I I think he's going to succeed at the next level. I, I love the pick. 18.3 yards per reception, 17 20-plus yard catches. He is as good of a deep threat at the collegiate level as there was last year. He's also a guy that I think, with his 6'9 wingspan, is capable of making contested catches better than his 6-foot height would suggest. And I think that he's good enough as a route runner. I just think he's a guy that's going to succeed. He's an all-around talented receiver, but the thing that stands out is his ability to make game-breaking plays. And we saw it again and again last year where Jaden Daniels would throw the ball up 40 yards and guess who was there to catch it and take it to the house? It was Brandon Ayuk. And he did that plenty last year. He is a very talented receiver. At number 26, we had another massive pick, Jordan Love, going to the Packers. Obviously, that's quarterback out of Utah State. As the Packers traded up from number 31 along with a fourth-round pick, that they gave up. What were your thoughts on this one? My favorite pick, I think, potentially in the first round. I love what Green Bay is doing for the future. You need to get that next guy in there, and how poetic. I mean, Aaron Rodgers goes in the 2005 NFL draft with the 24th pick, and we see a guy like Jordan Love go with the 26th pick. Am I saying that Jordan Love is for sure going to be the successor? No, because you never really know with quarterbacks, but if the Packers organization feels comfortable investing in this kid, then so do I, because the Packers organization has been so good for so long. There are a few problems, though, and the differences between why this is not a just Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers type deal, Aaron Rodgers was unanimously considered to be the first or second best quarterback in the draft. He was considered to be the first or second best prospect in the draft. And the reason that Aaron Rodgers slipped so much was because of how salaries were done back then. You had to pay a quarterback that you drafted in the first round an exorbitant amount of money. Mm. So also Aaron Rodgers wanted to work and Brett Favre wanted to teach. You know, there was, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to teach Jordan Love. I think he's going to be mad that they didn't give him a wideout, that they didn't give him an O-lineman. I think that, Rodgers is going to be fuming mad at the idea of the Packers moving on from him, and I don't know if Jordan Love is going to have as much of a chip on his shoulder as Aaron Rodgers did when he came into the league. I can't believe that people are saying that this is a good situation for Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers is going to hate this kid so much. He's going to treat him so poorly And I don't think that he's going to have much of an opportunity to learn from him. And no, I am not a cynic. I do not assume that everyone is trying to keep everybody down in this world. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, who is well-documented as being arrogant, highly, um, highly prone to holding grudges, 
and has that chip on his shoulder, which means that he does not want some other guy coming to take that job. I think that Love is talented. I think that athletically, he's got a great arm. He's mobile. And yes, there were concerns probably with decision-making, with turnovers last season, but the ceiling is high. And it's a great organization. I am just really worried about Aaron Rodgers as a man because we have seen, you know, talented players get crushed by environment and by a lack Mm -hmm. of confidence. And I am worried that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a serious impact on this young man, on this young man, and not in a good way. All right. So at number 27, we have Jordan Brooks. This is a bit of a surprise going to the Seahawks, linebacker out of Texas Tech. What were your thoughts? Let me tell you why I trust Seattle with this pick. The the last time I can remember Seattle really pulling a weird one out because I had never even – I had looked at all the first-round mocks. I had been looking up and down. Jordan Brooks was not a guy I had heard a whole lot about, right? No. 2012 NFL draft, the Seattle Seahawks took Bruce Irvin instead of Quentin Copels, right? Mm. Quentin Copels' lifetime played 62 games and had – 16 and a half sacks out of North Carolina. Bruce Irvin would become a pro bowler and has 52 career sacks. I trust Seattle when it comes to drafting defensive players. I trust Seattle when it – I trust Pete Carroll when it comes to evaluating defensive talent. And if they think Jordan Brooks is solid out of Texas Tech, I'm looking at this kid's numbers, 108 total tackles, 20 tackles for loss last season, and three sacks. I think – I trust Seattle and their system to uh, grow defensive – players I trust Pete Carroll I think that Jordan Brooks is going to be a beast just because of where he's going my question is just why not Patrick Queen you know I think Patrick Queen was so much more highly regarded as a prospect at the same position and I don't really know enough about Jordan Brooks to speak with any strong well, opinion and, and that's that. why I'm just concerned by that that's why I think that's why I do the Bruce Irvin comparison from 2012 yeah. Quinn yeah. Coples was far and away considered to be the best defensive end prospect still on the board, along with Melvin Ingram as well. And they took a flyer on Bruce Irvin, a guy that I think they believed in more. So I trust Seattle's organization to make that call. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have the, the resume to support that. And I really, I don't have a strong opinion. I was just a little bit confused because Patrick Queen, who ends up going to the Ravens at 28, I think is such a, versatile, well-rounded linebacker prospect, a guy that is quick as can be, can cover sideline to sideline, and to me is now just another quality starter on a Ravens defense that I feel so good about. Yeah, this is is why I hate Baltimore. I mean, not only because they're in my division, I'm naturally going to hate them. Yeah. Harbaugh is such a good drafting coach. The the organization is smart, and that's ultimately why I hate Baltimore. I mean, and I'll run down the draft for you. 2014, they take linebacker C.J. Mosley. When Baltimore takes a linebacker, take note. I mean, this is not a dumb franchise. This this team knows how to build defensive talent. And whenever they take a fast guy on offense or a shifty good player on offense or they take a dominant defensive prospect such as Patrick Queen on defense, it scares me because I know that Baltimore knows what they're doing. They took Marlon Humphrey in 2017, and he's turned out to be a beast. Baltimore is smart, and that's why I know Patrick Queen is going to succeed and likely be here for another maybe five or six years as a dominant starter. Yeah, I'm just so impressed by the Ravens' defense and the fact that, yes, they have household names in their secondary with you know guys like Marcus Peters and Earl Thomas, but, and, but there are other guys that are so good. I mean, Chuck Clark stands out to me, Matt Judon. They just have so many guys that I trust not to mess up and to make big plays defensively. And Patrick Queen is another guy that I like a lot and I think will succeed. And that defense, to me, is going to empower them to be a Super Bowl contender as much, if not more, than their dynamic offense. So we're winding down here. But at number 29, Isaiah Wilson, tackle out of Georgia, went to the Tennessee Titans. What were your thoughts? I don't know a whole lot about Isaiah Wilson, so I'm not going to act like I do. Um, another big guy. I mean, this guy's six, seven, 340 pounds. He's a massive man. Um, uh, the second tackle out of Georgia, I see Andrew Thomas. Um, 
I think that – I mean, this is clearly Tennessee's plug-and-play for losing Conklin. Um, they had to get somebody here. I don't know a whole lot about the guy, but additionally, this makes sense for Tennessee. Yeah, I have no objections. You put a nice guy alongside Milan, uh where you're solid there, and it's a need. And they are a team that hopes to continue to contend. And when you have a guy like Derrick Henry where you're so dependent on your run game, you got to feel good about the line. And so I have no problem with them taking Isaiah Wilson. At number 30, we have Noah – I hope that I say this right – Igbino Gane going to the Dolphins, corner out of Auburn. What were your thoughts? So this guy, I, I read up on him a little bit. He's pretty raw. Um, used to be a wide receiver. And, I mean, just recently made the conversion, which is why I don't really like the pick for Miami here at 30. But I know what they're thinking. They just signed uh, Xavier Howard and – oh, who was the other big cornerback they Byron got? Byron Jones. Yeah, Byron Jones. They just signed Byron Jones. They have Xavier Howard on the roster. So, Noah has no pressure to step in and play a significant role. He can step in as the slot corner. He can step in, uh, you know, in a very – low role for Miami. I, I like the pick just because he can grow up behind them. Uh, this guy's intangibles are pretty good. I mean, he can jump. He's fast. He's athletic. Uh, we'll see what this means. I don't really know a whole lot about the guy, but just situationally, I like the fact that he can learn behind two really good corners. Yeah, I mean, from, from the film that I watched after he was drafted, it looks like he projects well. He's physically gifted, definitely, but the timing is just strange considering the money they just invested into Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And this first round outside of Tua could end up looking, or even including Tua, if injuries end up being an issue, could end up looking pretty strange when you consider going off the board with Austin Jackson, now drafting um, Igbo Gane here when you already have Jones and Howard who you are paying so much and have invested so much in. And the Dolphins have plenty of needs. I would not have put corner at the top of that list. I do have I do have a prediction. So, I, I mean, the, the draft was impacted slightly by – not slightly. The draft was heavily impacted by, you know, our national pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Guys don't get as many workouts in. Carson, I predict – now, I don't know how we'll justify – how I'll grade this out in the future to see if I was right or not. I predict that this draft will have more talent in the later rounds than years previous and – Less talent at the top. I think we'll see a whole lot more, a higher bust rate maybe in the first round because you didn't get to see as many workouts and get as many in-depth evaluations as you do in years previous. It's very possible. It's very, very possible because, you know, again, we don't know if they were sneaking any contact under the table here that wasn't really permissible. But even if they were, you can't do it on a massive scale. So you're probably only getting like one or two guys. And so, yeah, I think that that does make sense. At number 31, we have Jeff Gladney going to the Vikings. What were your thoughts on this pick? Again, I'm not going to act like I have extensive knowledge about Jeff Gladney. Positionally, this works for Minnesota. They need outside players. Again, Minnesota is another team like Philadelphia that is just talented top to bottom, and they're strong in the trenches. They have a dominant defensive line, and their offensive line needs a little work, but they need to build from the sideline out. They get a wide out. They get a corner. Great draft for Minnesota, in my in my opinion, positionally. But we've just seen so many corners go into Minnesota and, I don't know, man, not succeed. Trey Waynes, I don't really know with him. We saw Xavier Rhodes fall off. I'm just concerned. I, I don't know a whole lot about Jeff Gladney. I'm looking at his numbers here. It seems like he missed a few games in his career at TCU. He five career interceptions. There's not a whole lot I'm going to get from his – college sports reference page uh positionally great pick for minnesota yeah i know a lot of people called this good value uh 14 pass breaks up breakups seems to be a playmaker he's quick so i really don't have a problem with this pick at number 32 the chiefs and this one kind of cracked me up because resident chiefs fan and fellow member of heat check with us ryan blank tweeted before all the positions and players he was fine with the chiefs taking and then he said Anyone but a running back, basically. Then the Chiefs take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, running back out of LSU, with the last pick of the first round. What were your thoughts? It's a, it's a decent pick. And, and I, I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he's a talented player. He's going to fit with the Chiefs do well. And honestly, I don't think I should criticize this heavily because if Andy Reid wants to go out and get an offensive guy, I know that Andy Reid knows what he's doing. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire 
is going to be used well in an offense because you can give Andy Reid anybody, and he's such an offensive genius that the guy will work. Um, that being said, I don't think he was the most talented running back on board. I mean, I liked DeAndre Swift a lot. I liked my favorite running back out of anybody in the draft was Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's J.K. Dobbins on the board. I just feel like there were other running backs on board that I like more that maybe would fit better in a Steeler type system, you know, a power run yeah. kind of between the tackle system. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to do everything that Andy Reid wants him to do. He can catch the ball, which is exactly what they want to have happen. He's a fast guy. I like the pick for Kansas City because it's I mean, I don't understand why Ryan would get so mad at a running back. It's the thirty second pick in the draft. It's not like you're taking a running back top five. This is a good pick. Yeah. So I think that is interesting because I would assume that most people would have a top three running backs in this draft of J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, and Jonathan Taylor. And I like Edward Tolaire. He's shifty, 55 catches, super productive, 1,400-plus rushing yards, 16 touchdowns. I wonder if this factor came into play. The fact that he has so much less tread on his body than a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who has 725 career collegiate carries, Jonathan Taylor, who was 926. Edward Tolaire had just 370. And that's really the difference of like two or three NFL seasons. And running backs wear out so fast, as is well documented at this point, that I think that it's probably an advantage that, you know, he wasn't a bell cow running back for two or three years like those guys were. And I like Edward Tolaire as a talent. I think as solely as a talent, I don't know if it really makes sense taking him above those guys, but positionally fit wise um it does make sense because of his pass catching ability well and I don't even I don't think that was a big thing that teams focused on until maybe what was it last year when Josh Jacobs got taken and I felt like it was I I don't know I felt like it was very prominently talked about is why Jacobs would go so high because he has so much less tread on his tires he has so many less carries and maybe we see that factor in more in evaluating running back prospects uh, in future drafts. I think that we will. And I think that it's just like there's, you know, a great hesitancy to play running backs and to take running backs high. I think that it's a position that is going to, people are going to be um, additionally cautious with it as we continue to go forward. And I only see that growing in the years that come. So mm-hmm. Logan, we have two days of the draft left. We have Bill's picks to go. We have Steelers picks to go. Any parting thoughts before we wrap up our initial day reactions? Kevin Colbert, I have no idea why you would be listening to Nerd Sesh. He is. Second round pick. Send somebody else, Jalen Samuels maybe, go get Leonard Fournette. Woo! Make a big-time move, Kevin Colbert. Get the Steelers back to the Super Bowl next season with a young gun at running back. All right. Piping hot take. Now I'm going to speak to Brandon Bean, who I know is listening because he listens to every episode of Nerd Sesh. (laughs) Brandon. Just take whoever you feels right, man. You know, I'm fine anyway. Could be a running back. Could be, could be someone on the line. I'd love to get a great pass rusher, but I know we just got Mario Addison, and I'm happy enough with him. So, Brandon, I really just want you to have fun out there, man. And tell Sean I say hi. Tell him I hope the kids are doing well. And, you know, let's just have a great season. Get me cracking up over here, man. All right. So, that's going to do it for us here today. I've been Carson Brower. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sound.